Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today's episode 94, and today we're going to talk about something that I came across in a church service and it bugged me a little bit. Actually, it bugged me quite a bit because I'm not going back. But I thought I would preach a message on prosperity because there are so many lies out there within different Christian churches and they're not portraying the love of Jesus Christ and they're not telling the truth about God and that really bugs me. Um but before we dive in, let me do a little bit of housekeeping here. So again, this is episode 94 and I see that we have not done a podcast I think since June 4th. So we've been gone a while. My apologies for that. But I thought, well, why not dive right back in and it is a beautiful Sunday morning, so this is a beautiful Sunday message. So let's dive right in. So I was attending a church that I would say is kind of Wesleyan and how they operate and what they believe. So it it's kind of Wesleyan slash slash Methodist um slash I would say um mega church. So um every once in a while they will have a preacher up there whether male or female, I don't really care. But they'll have a preacher up there and for the most part they're pretty good. They're pretty good, but sometimes they're wishy-washy and that bugs me. And I think the reason why they get wishy-washy is because they don't want people to know what they really believe in and what they plan on doing with the tithe, with the money. So there are a couple of reasons why I left that church and I don't go anymore. Um number 1, uh I don't know if I've mentioned this before, But there was a previous church that I attended and I'm not going to say their names, you know, just to not I'm not trying to shame or blame anyone. I'm not trying to blackball anyone. I'm just saying what happened to me. So I had attended a previous church. And it was a mega church. And it was going really great until um I started my own it's like small groups or whatever. They really pressure you at these two different churches to start small groups. And I'm not a big fan of that because I don't like that kind of intimacy especially with people that I don't know very well. Like it's a very um well it's just intimate. It's very personal and I don't like that. When I go to church, I'm one of those that I like to be left alone for the most part. I don't mind pleasantries, but I know that a lot of the conversations that happen at church, especially in public, it's not real. It's not that they really love you or care about you. And I don't mean this harshly, but it's just It's just pleasantries. It's just, "Hey, how are you?" that kind of thing. Every once in a while, someone will say, "Hey, can I pray for you?" And I I don't like opening up about myself to people privately or publicly about that because it's a private matter. And what I don't like is whenever you ask someone that you see frequently to pray for you, then they come up and ask you about it all the time. And then they form their own conclusion about God, and then they form their own conclusion about whether or not you're blessed or not. and that's shaming. I don't like that. So that happened at kind of both these churches. But anyway, so I was pressured into starting a small group at this previous church. And it is a mega church. Well, um I started two different groups. I started a Bible study, um well like a more like a book club. We we're going to read like spiritual books focusing on our faith, focusing on on positivity and things like that. Um a weird lady signed up for that and didn't tell me that she's bringing her boyfriend and um this guy just walks up and tries to sit down at our table at like a what's it called a Barnes and Noble and I was like can I help you 
And you know, she and I had been staying there for a while and she didn't tell me that she had invited her boyfriend. Like, well, I still want to exercise, but hey, well these different trails. You know, let's go to a state park. You know, let's let's really have fellowship. Well, um again, a weirdo signed up. And this woman, um I don't know why there's so many weird women. It's just unbelievable. This woman started stalking me at church and outside of church. So she tried to take over my group, the Walking with Christ group. And she was psychotic about it. So I went to the people in charge of the small groups and I said, "Hey, I'm having a problem, and I can't take this." As I, this makes me very uncomfortable. I don't personally know these people, and one of them is trying to take over my group, and the other one is just psychotic. I was like, "I want to be around normal people. I don't want to have to deal with these behavior problems." I was like, "It's it's over my head. Like I am not an HR manager. Technically, I hate HR, but you know, this is over my head." It kind of felt like I needed to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist in order to be able to handle these people. It was just so weird. I was like, why on earth, you know, why on earth are they going to church and why are they joining these groups if their intentions are not good? Like I just did not get it. Their intentions were not good and true. Well, the people that were in charge of this small group or whatever or the small groups, they got offended at me. They got mad that I didn't want to do small groups anymore. I didn't want to do mine anymore. I wanted them to be shut down because they made me very uncomfortable and I felt like there was a behavior problem um with these people. And also, um what happened with the stalker? She started stalking me outside of that group. So, because my groups got shut down, I wanted them shut down. So, the people in charge of the small groups at this church I was going to, they they did what I asked, they shut them down. They they supposedly understood where I was coming from, but I could tell they were a little pissed off. Cuz I kind of felt like, excuse my language, um I felt like they were just being too inclusive. Here's the problem with inclusiveness. Whatever you tolerate is what you allow to contaminate. And the body of Christ has a lot of prod of problems is because we're not calling people out on their behavior. And then when they react and do something against the law, Sometimes the church shames those that wants to take those people to court or press charges and that's what happened to me. So, I closed down those two groups with the permission of the church I was going to at the time. And so I was like, "Well, I'll open a walking group on what's called meetup.com. It's an app, it's also a website. But it's basically where you can start a group, whether it's a reading group, you know, just kind of a, a special interest group and people from your area has nothing to do with church per se. People from your area can join. So I was like, well, you know, I want to meet more people where I live and right now I'm stationed in Oklahoma City and I will be moving, thank God, because I'm not a fan of living here. But because there's been a lot of drama, a lot of stress, I'm like, I just haven't really found what I need in my life here in Oklahoma City. I just haven't found it here in Oklahoma. And just because I was born and raised here that doesn't mean that I like it or love it because I do not. But, you know, it's one of those things. You don't get to decide where you're born and how you're raised, <laughs> right? Otherwise I think a lot of us would totally pick something else. But anyway, so I started the I started those two groups on meetup.com. Nothing to do with religion. If someone wanted to show up and talk about their faith, hey, that's great. That's fine. But it had nothing to do with the church I was going to. The book club was a little more normal than the walking with Christ one. So there was one woman, you know, I say one woman A whole bunch of people signed up for both groups. More people signed up for the Walking with Christ group as opposed to my book club. The book club, it was more a logistics issue, I would say, but one woman showed up, 
to my first meeting, and she was having a lot of problems with her stepdaughter, and it just kind of felt like she was using this group as a therapy. And I didn't like that, but you know, I was I was kind to her. I understood where she was coming from because we read a book. Is it by Michael Todd? No, it's somebody else.、I'm、trying to remember, but it's a really good book. And she thanked me for picking out this book, and it really helped her. And she said, "You know, I can't remember which it was, but、um, there were many people that signed up for the book club, but many of the people." Were atheists, so they didn't want to read these books. I was like, okay, that's fine. A whole bunch of people signed up, like immediately, like well over fifty. Then it was over eighty. Then it was over a hundred. So, at my very first meetup, we met up at a local park slash lake because I was like, okay, my group. I don't know why she showed up because she knew that the Walking with Christ group was shut down because of her behavior. Here's a side note: We actually never met in person before. Like my group never got to、um, never got to meet up. Okay, I'll just shut down the group and I'll just open a walking group on Meetup.com. So mind you, I knew the woman's name, but I'd never personally met her. So when she approached me at the walking group from Meetup.com, she acted like we knew each other, and she walked with other people because I just thought this is too much for me. I I, I don't know what to do about this. And so、um, after that happened, I reached out to the people that were in charge of the small groups at the church I was attending. I said, "Hey, that nut that tried to take over my small group, my walking group, has now found me on Meetup.com. I don't know how she found me. She made a scene publicly, tried to tell me off in front of all these people, and they're staring at us. It's, it was so creepy. Said, What can I do about this? Because I was like, if she doesn't stop this." I, I will press charges. I was like, I was like, this is too much for me. I don't know what to do. Well, they got mad because they thought, well, you know, if you have the love of Jesus Christ, you should just accept it. It's like, no, that's not how. No, 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 that's not how society works. Just because you have the love of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that you become a doormat for anyone or anything. So. They said, "Well, she needs Jesus." I said, "Yeah, but she also needs a restraining order. And if her behavior doesn't stop, I will press charges." And what I should have done—I regret this—what I should have done is I should have pressed charges. I should have pressed charges. I should have taken her to court. But I didn't do that. So the people at church were mad at me that I shut down that group, and I ended up shutting down both my groups on Meetup.com because. I reached out to the IT people at Meetup.com. They were of no help to me. They could care less about your safety, so I ended up canceling my membership with them. And so, what I found out from Meetup.com is that you can block someone, but that doesn't stop them from seeing all your events, like your future events. I was like, then what's the point of blocking them from joining my group? I was like, this is a problem. This woman is stalking me at church and outside of church. I was like, I don't know how she found me, but this is a tremendous problem. And Meetup.com said, Well, we haven't、uh, taken measures to address these kind of issues just yet. You know, we're new at this. It's like I'm thinking BS. Excuse my language, and that's a mistake. Because if someone is a threat or is a security issue to a member at the church, they don't deserve to be there. They have lost that privilege to be able to, to worship there because they're a nut. 
So because I didn't think these young people were there for me or understood me and they shamed me. That's the thing. They shamed me and blamed me. And they criticized me for being concerned for my safety at church and outside of church. And they kind of ridiculed me and made fun of me in this meeting. So I went over their heads. And I forwarded the email that I sent to meetup.com to the pastor uh or either to, you know to two different pastors. I take that back. Two pastors, two lead pastors at this church I was going to. I said I just want you to be aware of what happened. And you know what they did? They referred me back to the two 20-something year olds. They didn't have a clue how to handle this. They're like, "Well, thank you for bringing that to attention, to our attention, but this needs to go to so and so." I was like, "Oh, great." So I felt like I couldn't go to church for a while. I don't think I went for like a month or two, maybe 3 months, I don't know how long. And I never felt comfortable going back. I tried, I even went to a different location. It still bothered me. It still bothered me cuz I knew I was being stalked. It was hell. So, I had a neighbor at the time. I didn't tell her every little detail about what had happened, but she said, "Hey, why don't you come to this new church or new church that she's attending?" She says, "Really good." I said, "Okay, I'll start going there." So I start going there and this is a church that I just left as well. And come to find out, people from the other church are now going to this church as well. I was like, so the people there's some people from the mega church attending this church. I was like, wow, that makes me very uncomfortable. Then their messages are not always that good because they're more they're more Wesleyan and Methodist on. But he's against prosperity. I'm like, wow. He actually said Jesus is not the Lord of prosperity and my mouth dropped. I'm like, "Yes, he is. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Do you think we worship a broke God? Do you think we worship a poor God? You know what? When you need money, you need money. There's nothing wrong asking God for money. I mean, what what makes you think he's poor? And that's what I want to talk about today. This this poverty mindset is just so old it gets so ridiculous and i just don't understand it i just don't understand it. i'm like how can anyone read god's holy word and and think that oh we're supposed to be poor we're supposed to be poor nowhere in the bible does it say that we are supposed to be poor And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me on this. Let me get my Bible here, and I'll read you something. So, all throughout the Bible, there is prosperity, there is health, there is wealth, there is God's love on your life. So let me read from Genesis, and this is the first book of Moses. I'm reading from the King James Version, a very beautiful Bible that I actually bought. Um, I guess it's. So online from Barnes and Noble I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember, but anyway, it'll come to me. Okay, so I'm reading from Genesis chapter 1. It says, "In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, 'Let there be light,' and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good." And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Evening and morning were the first day. And God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, 
and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, "Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place." So God is very specific when he makes and creates something. It's not generic, it's not average, it's not by accident. It's specific. It's intentional, okay? And God said, "Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear." And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the watchers called he seas and God saw that it was good and God said let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind And God saw that it was good. So God is creating all these things, and whatever God creates is good. Whatever God creates is good. It's holy. It's intentional. It's not an accident. It is very, very specific. Okay. Goes on to say, in the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So. That means God wants us to know what's going on. He wants us to know what day it is. He wants us to know the hour. He wants us to know the month, the year. He wants us to know all of this. Not so that we can be geniuses, but so that we can be blessed with wisdom. Cuz how foolish does it feel when you're traveling somewhere, let's say you're on a road trip and you get lost. It's very frustrating, right? God doesn't ever want us to be frustrated or lost. We know this because right here, he's being very specific. Goes on to say, "And let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so." So, you and I are not supposed to live in darkness, especially in our mind. We are children of the light, not of the darkness. Goes on to say, "God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also and god set them in the firmament firmament of the heaven excuse me to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and god saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day and god said let the watchers bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So God is creating prosperity here. All of this is creation. Nothing is created from death. It's from life. It's from God. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly, abundantly, okay? Not poorly, not not subparly. but abundantly I'm going to underline that we worship the god of abundance so it makes you think that god is for people being broke oh you got to be humble do you have any idea how stupid and foolish it is to claim to be humble but yet you're broke
How dumb is that? You can't even feed yourself or your family and you're broke. Think about that. In verse 22 it says, "And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth." Did you know that we worship a God that believes in multiplying everything in your life that is good, holy, and true? Did you know that? So needless to say, when I went to church last week, last Sunday, and the the preacher got up there the lead pastor and he said that Jesus is not the lord of prosperity i'm like you've got to be kidding me that's insane we worship adonai jehovah jireh we worship hashem we worship yeshua we worship yeshua hamashiach Think about those names. There is no poverty or lack in God, not at all. So whenever someone is trying to push poverty and lack on you, you better watch out because the devil is coming for your bank account. The devil is coming for your work. Do not open a door or a window to something that goes against God's holy word. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I was like, you know what? I knew this was going to be a problem. I had a feeling when I went there that I don't know how to describe it. They have a love of money, but they want your money. And yet they're claiming to be humble. Oh, we don't worship the Lord of prosperity. No, 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 no. But then get this, they asked for 40 million dollars. This church is merging with another church or I should say a different church is merging with them and that's another thing. I don't like the church they're merging. I don't like it at all. I know what they're really like. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't like being asked for money like that. I just don't. I don't like being told that Jesus is not the Lord of prosperity when he is. And I don't think it's appropriate to merge or to consolidate with a church that goes directly against many of the things that we believe in. I I just don't agree with this. I just thought, you know, it hurts to leave yet again. I thought, you know, this is not if it's not God's way, I don't want it. If it's not what my heavenly father says, I don't want it. I just don't want it. And I think it's so sad whenever churches pull this whole, oh, you know, we're holier than now, we're humble and Here they are saying that Jesus is not the Lord of prosperity but yet look at what they're doing they're asking for money they're asking for 40 million dollars this church is 40 million for all these little pet projects they have and here's the thing they can be good and true projects they can be meaningful and wonderful but here's the thing why are you asking the members for money when you need to ask Jesus for money See, you're putting your 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 parishioners or your members on the hook when that's not our job. Should we tithe? Yes. Yes, of course. 
If you truly believe in what they're doing, you should tithe. If you don't believe in what they're doing, don't tithe and go to a different church. So he used to say, I'm not going to that church anymore. Here's the thing. They have good music. But every once in a while there's a lyric in there that's very negative. Kind of like I'm no good kind of thing. And it's like, uh-uh, I don't ever mouth that. I don't ever say that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I worship the God of Abraham. I'm his daughter. There's no way that I'm going to say I'm no good. Or that I'm less than this, I'm less than that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I am the daughter of the God most high. Why would I speak anything negative over my life? Why? I've been there, done that. You know what? The more negativity you speak, the more of a hellhole your life is going to be. If you don't want hell on earth, don't worship like that. <laughs> I know that may sound obvious, but it just kind of shocked me at how many people are going along with this message of, "Oh, you know, money's bad, money's evil." No, it's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money in of itself is not evil, it's just currency. Doesn't matter what country you live in. Currency is currency. That's all. It's part of a money market system. What else is new? But what becomes a problem is when you have your your leaders that are supposed to shepherd you. I just think it's very disturbing whenever someone says Jesus is not the lord of prosperity but yet they're asking the members for 40 million dollars and that's 40 million 40 million and i'm like like my mouth just kind of dropped i was like you know what if i truly believed in them if i really believed in what they want to do and if i had 40 million I would pay it. I would totally give it. But if they don't even believe in Jesus in the way they're supposed to, why would I even give them a dollar? Why would I give them even a penny? Why? What are they going to do with that money? Like they don't believe in the blessing of Abraham. Well, you know what? If someone or or if a church or a church body doesn't believe in the blessing of Abraham or the favor of Abraham why would i give them my money they're just a bunch of sourpusses i mean misery loves company another reason why i stopped going to that church and also the previous church besides being stalked was because I know that most people that go there are married. Well, I'm not married yet. That gets really old being around a bunch of married people. I'm just like, you know what? Where are the single people? Where are the single people? I would love to have a husband. Haven't met him yet, at least not that I know of. But what sucks is that when you're surrounded by mostly married people, they don't have a very positive opinion of single people. And I've been having to deal with this since my early 20s.
So that's almost 20 years. Because I'm 39. And it's just like, you know what? How about instead of being mean to people that are single, why don't you pray for them? Why don't you pray that they find a spouse? Why don't you ask God to send them someone really special? Think. They think that if you're single, you're there to get a husband or their husband or something. And it's like, I would love to meet a wonderful man at church. I would love that. And I'm not looking for a married man. It doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of practicing your faith? Like when you go against God's law? Like think about that. But that's how single women, I don't know about single guys, but single women, we get treated like garbage and trash. It's 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 horrible. I hate it. I'm just like, wow. So you know what's interesting? I'm just going to close with this. If you're in the same boat as me, and you're single whether male or female and you have to deal with discrimination like this because you're single I understand it's frustrating and you hate it and you can't stand it I totally get it use it to your advantage you might be thinking what do you mean by that you need to sow it and that's s o w and I'm going to look up the exact definition I know what it means, but I'm going to read you a definition of what it means. Okay. So it says plant seed by scattering it on or in the earth. It says to plant the seeds of a plant or a crop. Plant a piece of land with seed. And then it says a statement of work. Oh, SOW. <laughs> had to think for a second. That's interesting. So the definition of a statement of work, they were abbreviating abbreviating it. A statement of work is a document routinely employed in the field of project management. It is in the narrative description of a project's work requirements. Let's see here. I'm going to go to Merriam-Webster. I was not expecting to see that other thing there. Okay. Okay, so Merriam-Webster says to plant seed. Oh, this is stupid. What? Oh, I hate this. Why do they do this? Oh, Merriam-Webster.com. Get rid of these stupid ads. That is so frustrating. Like my screen just moves. I hate that. I don't care what you think. I want to see. I don't. I don't care about all these ads. Hold on, folks. I've got to exit all these stupid ads. Oh, that's so annoying. Okay, getting back to the definition here. So Merriam-Webster. when you're not being a moron with your stupid ads on your website um it means to sow to plant seed for growth especially by scattering to set something in motion begin an enterprise that is a intransitive verb a transitive verb is to scatter seed upon the earth for growth broadly broadly okay it says to strew with or as if with seed to introduce into a selected environment again to set in motion to spread abroad to disperse Let's see here sometimes they give you synonyms Let's see here 
Well, Merriam-Webster's website's being stupid. So shame on you, Merriam-Webster. Maybe you, if you weren't such a money-grabbing uh, prostitute and you didn't have these ads on your website, maybe more people would use it. But anyway, so here's the thing. Those definitions are really good. To sow seed broadly, to set something in motion. So whenever you have something frustrating, like for example, Merriam-Webster, that Lord, I'm going to sow Merriam-Webster dash what is that Merriam dash Webster dot com. I'm going to sow that into the kingdom of heaven, and I pray for a hundredfold return in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Amen. That is sowing. Whatever irritates you, whatever frustrates you, sow it into the kingdom. That's how you cast your care. That's how you cast your care onto the Lord. And what I always find interesting is that whenever I'm talking to someone about that. And they don't, you know, initially they have no idea what I'm talking about. Then, all of a sudden, oh, I get it. Then they act like they 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 already knew it. I was like, you didn't know what I was talking about. I just informed you of this. So, if you're one of these people that doesn't understand or know about sowing seed, do me and other people a favor, and probably also your heavenly Father. Don't act like you know it all, and don't try and take over the conversation. That irritates me. Oh yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I do that all the time. Liar! You lie. You lie. You fry, as Jesse Duplantis says from from Louisiana. Don't act like all of a sudden you know something when you don't, or try and take over the conversation. I cannot stand that. I cannot stand that because I know. I know when I'm speaking to someone that's ignorant. I can tell they don't know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, a light bulb comes on their head. They're like, "Oh yeah, I knew that. Really? Then how come you didn't know it? You liar! You lie! You fry! You need to be very careful, folks, about arrogance. You need to be very careful about that, because knowledge is power." And if all you're doing is acquiring knowledge just to one up somebody, oh yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, I knew. Didn't? No, you didn't. That irritates me. Oh, it irritates me because I'm like, well, if you knew it, then how come you didn't know it? You acted like you didn't know it. So are you lying? Were you lying when I said, hey, do you know about sowing seed? So when you said, no, I don't know about that, that was a lie. Well, no. Okay, then, at what point in time in this conversation were you lying? Because you can't have it both ways. It can't be, oh yeah, I knew that. Then, oh, I didn't know that. When people are not walking in the truth, they don't have a clue how to sow seed. Because what seed are you sowing? What seed are you sowing? You know what I always find interesting is that people that are not living in a holy manner tend to be some of the most arrogant, pompous people I've ever met. Just very, I know it all. Yeah, I gave my life to Christ so many years ago, but yet they're like living in sin right now. And you're like, well, I, I'm gonna help so I'm gonna help someone. You know, I'm gonna help lead them to Christ, but yet. You haven't corrected your own behavior yet, so it's just a one-up or know-it-all. 
You know what you need to do with that arrogance, folks, if that's you? You need to sow that into the kingdom. You need to say, Lord, I am sowing my arrogance into the kingdom. Take this from me. Make me who you want me to be. Mold me into what you want. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours to command. Here's the thing, though. Many arrogant, pompous people that don't know God's word, but yet they're like, oh, yeah, I know that. They will never give God a chance. And it's their arrogance. It's that person's arrogance that is stopping God from blessing them. God wants to bless all of his children. But here's the thing. If you're misbehaving, if you're a liar, if you're a cheater, if you're a fornicator, if you're homosexual, if you're atheist, if you're agnostic, if you're Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're Buddhist, guess what? None of those things are God's holy will. That may shock some people. But none of those things are God's holy will. He loves them because they are his children. But God cannot bless sin. God cannot bless disobedience. Sin cannot exist in the presence of God. It just can't. This is why I'm going to try and word this without sounding Methodist because I can't stand Methodist. I don't mean like the people, but just that way of thinking is so stupid it makes no sense. It's false humility, but I'm saying that being humble is where you say, God, I can't do this on my own. It doesn't mean that you're a worm. It doesn't mean that you're lower than the dust. It's you acknowledging that you need God's help. And then when you take it one step further and you say, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. That is humility. It's not humiliation. See, the problem with Catholics, Methodists, Mormons, Baptists, Church of Christ, I don't know so much about Lutherans, um, Many of these so-called Christian religions, they think humility is equivalent to humiliation. That's not what God says. That's not how God operates. It's the enemy that wants to humiliate. It's our Heavenly Father that wants to lift us up. So being humble does not mean, oh, I need to be poor. I need to be broke. I need to... You know, force myself to be single all of my life, have, have a, you know, be a priest and be celibate. Screw that. Excuse my language. Like that even works, especially for men. Or, um, oh, I can't wear this kind of makeup because I need to be, I need to be humble. Really? So you're going to look like a fat, ugly slob at church? Think about that. You bring your best to God. Even when you are at your worst, you bring your best. That is true humility. Because God doesn't want to push you down. He wants to lift you up. So here's the thing. The reason why I mention this is because there are so many know-it-alls out there. They've read the Bible or they've read a few scriptures. Oh, all of a sudden they just know it all. Like, really? Prove it. 
How do you live your life? How do you treat your employer? How do you talk to people? How do you treat other people? How about this? How do you view money? Again, money is just currency. Paper, coins, crypto, whatever the case may be. It's just it's just currency, folks. Another thing. When someone's trying to put you on the hook for 40 million and yet they don't believe in prosperity, I'm like, well, it's going to take a long time to get to 40 million if you don't believe that the Lord is the Lord of prosperity and he and he's the Lord of blessing, he's the Lord of favor. See, you have to be careful what you believe in. Religion will chew you up and spit you out. That has happened to me twice within the last year and a half. And it gets old. It's like, wow, you think you know people. You know what? Initially, I was just going to these churches because I was like, well, I really like the music and if I hear a good message, that's great because I really love music. That's a cop out. That's a cop out. And you know, it really bothered me that, you know, I like the music, but if I don't like the message, I'm missing the most important thing. And if I don't like the message, if I don't agree with it, then I shouldn't just be staying just because of the music. You know, I can listen to that music in my car. But if I'm not feeding on God's holy word and if I'm not hearing a good message, that's a problem. Because that shows you there's a problem with leadership at that church. And thank goodness to hear in the United States, we have freedom of religion. They don't have freedom of religion in most uh Middle Eastern uh, countries over there in the Middle East. It's mostly Islamic, Muslim, and Sharia law. So when you question your religion because it is a theocracy, you question the government. That's why so many Muslims never go against their they ever convert to anything else because they risk being beheaded or tortured, whatever the case may be. That's a pretty serious threat. So thank goodness they here in the United States, we have freedom of religion, we have true freedom. And it's because of that true freedom that, you know, we can actually say, "Hey, I don't think something's right with this." I don't think something's right with this. And if something's not right, then guess what? As an adult, if you're age 18 and older, although as a minor I so wanted to leave the cult I was raised in, but I couldn't because I was a child, if you are an adult and that's age 18 or older, you have every right to leave. You have every right to go to whatever church you want to go to. And I'll say this as well. Not only do you have the right, but you have the responsibility to practice what you truly believe in. If you truly believe that being poor is humility, um you're going to be broke. You're going to be broke, and if that's what you want to believe in, hey, you're free to do so, but that's not God's will. That's not God's will at all. You want money? Go right ahead, go make some money. Win the lottery. 
Whatever the case may be, go do it. I think that's great. Because you know what? When you give God a chance to bless you, then you can bless other people. But guess what? If you're broke, you can't help anybody. You can't even help yourself. So please recognize that we do worship the one true God. And that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joshua. And guess what? There is prosperity there. You know, what's interesting is that that Jesus is not the Lord of prosperity. I almost yelled out, how do you explain King Solomon? How do you explain that? King Solomon was the wealthiest king monarchy of all time. Like no one, even to this day, has ever compared to him. No one. And you know what? God blessed him with that. So if God is against money, Why did he bless King Solomon? Why did he bless King David? Why does God bless anyone with money if he's against it? See, that's the hypocrisy of being churchy. That's the hypocrisy of some Christians, not all, but some Christians. And I can't stand that. It irritates me. I'm like, I don't go to church to hear garbage. I don't go to church to hear how to be poor. I go to church for healing, for wealth, for prosperity, for peace of mind, for wisdom. I want to get all these things from my heavenly father because those are those are part of the covenant. They are God's promises to us his children. So needs to say it's very important to recognize where you are going to church what religion you are practicing and really listen to your leaders your church leaders and if you don't agree with their fundamentals you need to leave i mean i just might go ahead and start my own church because this just gets so irritating it's like i don't go to church to be shamed and blamed and then oh give us your money i don't think so i don't think so And I don't appreciate being shamed for being. You know what's interesting? I've said this before, and again, I'll close with this. Most of the most disturbing people I've ever met are married. They're not single, but yet married people love to shame and blame single people, like we're the problem. Really, I don't even think so. What I've learned over the years is that screwed up people. Marry screwed up people. That's why their marriages suck, and that's why they think that whenever a single woman attends church, because I'm not aware that they treat single guys like this, but whenever a single woman attends church or whatever, oh, she must be up to something. The only thing I'm up to is looking up to my heavenly Father, who loves me. Who adores me? Never treats me like garbage. Never treats me like trash. Never tells me, "Oh, you don't deserve that." Never falsely accuses me of things I never said or did. So, I'm there for me. I'm there for me 
my faith, my soul, my body, my mind, my spirit, and I give it all to God. My faith has nothing to do with other people. Nothing. Other people just happen to be there. God bless them. I pray that they are well. And let me say this. Whenever I come across mean, hateful people, which is quite a few here in the Bible Belt at these churches, some of them, I'm like, Lord, I have more seed to sow. Some witch just told me off or gave me that look like I'm supposedly hitting on her husband. I was just on my way to the bathroom. Is that hitting on someone that, that I need to go number one? I mean, seriously. Lord, I sow that witch into the kingdom. I sow it. I sow the frustration of that into the kingdom. I sow the stares and the glares into the kingdom. I sow the hypocrisy into the kingdom. You know what's interesting is that most people don't know they can sow that. Because they don't understand that whatever the devil does for harm, the Lord will turn it to your advantage and use it for good. That's why you have to view these things that irritate you, that piss you off, excuse my language, that bother you. The only way to let it go, to really let it go, is to sow it into the kingdom. Because then you're giving it to God. You are putting it at the foot of the cross and you're saying, Lord, I don't want this. I can't handle this or I don't like this or I know I can handle it, but I know you can handle it a whole lot better than me. So I'm giving it to you. That's what it means to be a sower. Did you know that sowing is also a form of tithing? And again, the know-it-alls were like, yeah, I know, what the, I know what the tithe is. Oh, yeah, I do that. Really? Tell me how you tithe. How much do you give? Do you know where you're giving? Do you believe in what you're giving? Do you believe in whom you're giving it to? A lot of people don't know this. They're ignorant and stupid. I don't mean to be harsh, but seriously, if you're ignorant and stupid with your money, guess what? You're going to get very ignorant and stupid results. And you have no one to blame but yourself because guess what? God gives us the ability to know what we're doing. And guess what? If we don't know the answer, that's okay. Ask God for it. And guess what? If God doesn't give you the answer to your question, it must not be something you need to know. Just accept it. Move on. Focus on something else in your life. Do great things with your life. You know what was, and I know this is like the third time I say I'm closing, but I really will close with this. One of the biggest things I sowed into God's kingdom was all of the discrimination I've experienced over the years. It's been hell. Hell, and I hate it. The discrimination, that is. I've been discriminated against for being born female. I've been discriminated against for being young. I've been discriminated against for being single. I've been discriminated against for not having any children. I've been discriminated against for being white. And guess what? I'm not even white. I just happen to be fair-skinned. I just happen to be fair-skinned, but I'm not actually white. I sent off my uh, DNA to 23andMe. Woo! I am a mixed race, come to find out.
Glory be to God. I knew I was. <laughs> I just didn't know which races. So cool. It, you know what's interesting? It's so cool to know who you are. It's so liberating to know who you are. Like I remember when I got those test results, I just felt complete. I felt whole. I felt I felt like I'd given my life to Christ again. Like I felt like, "Oh, this is who who God made me. This is who I am." This is my, you know, this is my ancestry. This is my lineage. I'm not a piece of garbage. I'm not a piece of trash. I am important. I do have value. I am worthy. You know what's sad? It took a 23 and me test for that. God already knew my DNA. But I was so distracted with religion. that I didn't really believe in what God was saying about me. I was believing what other people were saying about me or I was being affected by it. And I recognized, well, this is why some friendships don't work out. You think you know people? And what's interesting is that I noticed the more I noticed the more, let me use present tense because this is still going. I notice the more I grow in my faith, the less friends I have. And that to me is very interesting. Cuz here's the thing, I live in Oklahoma. I live right smack dab in the Bible Belt. Bible Thumper USA. And you would think that considering how much I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You'd think I'd have a plethora of friends. A whole bunch of close friends just have amazing relationships. I do not. You want to know why? Hypocrites. These churchy, churchy people. If you don't live up to their expectations of what they think you should be doing with your life that God gave you, ooh, they shame you and blame you and humiliate you and sometimes publicly. or they or they ask me to move. Oh, I can't stand this. Like I'll be sitting in a chair or a pew and they'll be like, "Can you move?" I'm like, "No, I'm not." And they just look at me in shock. I'm like, "I'm not the problem. I show up early because I'm responsible. I don't care that you're late. Just because I know what's sitting with me, like I I I'm just disposable." That's how so many of these single people. Oh, well, that seat's not taken. We have we have a family. So we want your seat so you can just sit someplace else. Can't you just move? No. No. I don't care to move. I don't want to move. Where I sit is where I sit. And that shocks some people. And you know what? I stopped caring about who I shock. I'm like, I don't care because I'm not the problem. You know what's interesting? All the years I've been going to church, I have never asked someone to move. Never. But you know what I have done? I have invited people that I don't even know to sit with me. That's what I do. I have never looked down on someone and said, "Oh, hmm, she's not married, doesn't have any kids, doesn't even get a French manicure. Hmm, maybe she should move to the balcony so we can sit towards the front. Maybe we are the ones that should be on camera, not her." That's the mm, attitude I've been having to deal with from some of these uh middle class 
snobby families. Like they're not even rich people. I'm like, really? Like you put on that attitude with me and you're not even loaded with money. You're not even a millionaire. You're not even a bill, a billionaire, excuse me. And you have the nerve to look down on me. Please, come on. If you're going to have that kind of snobby attitude, you better have the money in your bank account to prove that hey, you you kind of have permission in a way to be a snob, even though I don't think anyone really does have permission. But I just think it's so interesting that people have this inflated ego about themselves. You want to know why? Because of the cookie cutter middle class lifestyle that is rampant in the United States. I hate it. I can't stand it. You know what's interesting about the middle class? They are some of the laziest, most no good people I have ever met in my life. Kind of shocking, right? And I'm saying this on a podcast about God's holy word. Let me ask you this: Do you think God is impressed with lazy people? Do you think God is impressed with the middle class and how they treat people that are poor or people that are richer than them? I don't think He is, because I'm not. Most of the discrimination I've experienced has come from the middle class. People that are too lazy, fat slobs, but yet get breast implants or plastic surgery, they're too lazy to work harder so they can be richer. But yet they're such slobs they don't help the poor. That disgusts me. Disgusts me that they do that. That's why I'm like I'm not moving for anybody. And they just look at me in shock. I'm like, I'm not moving. The only time I move is if there's like a special circumstance, but that is very rare. Otherwise, I'm like, that's not. I was like, you're not my problem. I was like, you know, I don't care. I showed up early because I care to get a good seat. I didn't reserve this seat for for some stupid snob that disrespect me to my face and in church. In church, really? Oh, how holy you must be to look down on someone that's not married and doesn't have any kids yet. You know what's interesting? I find about these married couples. It absolutely disgusts me when their husbands hit on me. I'm like, really? You think I'm going to sleep with you? First of all, I'm not sexually active because I'm not married. But even if I was, do you really think I would waste my time on some pig, some pig of a man that cheats on his wife and is married to a mean old hag? Of course, he wants something better than what he's married to. I mean, who in their right mind would want to have sex with some stupid witch that thinks she's all that in a bag of chips? Because she got her eyebrows plucked, she's got the fake、uh, fake manicure, the French manicure, and she got her toes done. You know, it doesn't matter how pretty you are on the outside or what all you do to the outside. It's the inside that matters. It's your heart and it's your soul. So for all you slob women out there. That think that young women like me are after your husbands. Oh, you are so mistaken. You, know, you you can keep that little pig you have. Put him out to pasture. Let him oink away. 
I'm not interested. You know why? Because I want a gentleman. I want someone that loves me, not just interested in my body. I want a gentleman. I want who God wants me to be with. Not, not who you think I'm trying to be with, but who God wants me to be with. You know, I find it very interesting. I, I can say this because of being raised in a cult. You know, it's not just men that try and tell women who to marry and control their sex life. It's also other women. Oh, you should date so-and-so. Really? Why? Because you don't want me to have someone that you're attracted to? Please. Grow up. Grow up. Get a life. Or how about this? Why don't you live the life that you're supposed to live? Do it God's way. Not your way, but God's way. And here's the thing. If you don't want to believe in health, prosperity, and the favor of God, and the blessing of Abraham, fine. Be one of the dumbest people on the planet for all I care, but don't try and drag me down with you. It's not going to happen. One thing I've learned when things piss me off or people piss me off, that is a seed to sow. And I'm going to reap the benefits. I'm going to get a harvest. So I'm like, you know what? Every time something stupid or bad happens to me, I'm like, <laughs> whatever, devil. You're a moron and an idiot. Now I'm getting a hundredfold. I'm getting a hundredfold because of that. And you'd be surprised how many so-called Christians the devil uses to do his work. Because again, did you know, even the devil knows scripture and he tried to use it against Jesus? That's why I'm not fooled by people that have read the Bible or they've read a verse and then they try and act like they know it all. I'm like, whoo, are you a little devil or what? Trying to tell me about God's holy word? And you've got what kind of lifestyle? So you're going to critique me. Good luck with that. Good luck with that because I'm not fooled by it. I don't care to be lectured by people that, that, that don't even know how to live their life. I, I just, it just reminds me of communism. I may have said this before, but years and years ago, in my 20s, I dated a communist. This guy from China, I didn't know he was a communist. I asked him, are you, are you communist? He said, no. He admitted that he is a communist. He's like, well, I knew you wouldn't date me if I told you I was a communist. I was like, so you're a liar as well. So you don't really want me to know what you actually practice or what you believe in, but you think you're better than me. I always find it interesting whenever liars think they're better than me. I always find that to be interesting. Because it's very evil behavior. And I'm like, wow, I wonder who, um, who God is going to uh, defend in this situation. And no surprise, the relationship did not work out. But I just, I just always find it interesting whenever people, not just people, but bad people. Sometimes they don't want you to know who they really are. I'm just the opposite. I am obvious, I am blunt, and I say it like it is. 
like if you're to meet me, you know exactly who I am, where I am. Well, maybe you don't always know where I live, but you know where I'm at in my life. And what I will tolerate and what I will not tolerate. Let me tell you this, I don't tolerate hardly anything. I can't I can't think of a single thing I do tolerate. I just I just don't live that way. I was like, you know, if it's not God's way, I don't want it. If it's not from God, I don't want it. It's not worth the hell. So needless to say, this is why you have to be careful what churches you go to. You have to be very careful because they can make it seem like, you know, with all the music, the lights, um all the little groups or whatever and childcare oh wow, wow people they will attend a church just because they want to break from their kids if if the church provides childcare they don't even care what their kids are being taught that's a whole other message for a whole other day but it's like you've got to be careful about that cuz you don't know what these people are programming your children to believe they could be download downloading garbage into your child's brain do you really want that I wouldn't. See, here's the thing: so many people use the church for what they want, not what God wants, but what they want. That's not right. In fact, that's very evil. Very evil. Because you're taking what God meant for good and you're using it for a ulterior motive. When you have fellowship with God. You should not have any ulterior motive whatsoever. And if you have a ulterior motive, you're the problem. God is never the problem. It's you. God still loves you, but if you don't cast that care onto the Lord, guess what? You're going to carry that care like a knapsack, a burden all your life. What's the point of that? And I think that's one of the biggest problems with the middle class, the stuck-up, snobby, churchy middle class people that are married. They carry around their own personal little theology, thinking it's 100% correct, and they're not listening to God. So whatever they are believing in has actually become their own burden. It's become their own bag of bricks. No wonder they're miserable. No wonder they're fat, stupid, arrogant, pompous, cheat on their spouses, and that's also why their kids are snobs. That's why their kids are so self-entitled. That's why they have this problem with elitism, but yet they're not even millionaires. If you're not a millionaire or a billionaire, don't ever act like you or you a be-all or whatever the case may be. Don't act like that around me because I'm not impressed with it. Cuz I'm going to be like, "What's in your bank account? Show me." Give me a ballpark. Because if you're going to act like a, stu- a stupid, stuck-up snob, you better be able to prove that. And again, I'm not saying only the rich can be snobs, but here's the thing. I have never met a rich person that was a snob to me. Every wealthy person that I have met has been hard-working, self-made, kind, genuine, spiritual, religious and godly. Gee, if that's not the blessing of Abraham, I don't know what is. So if you're one of these stupid, stuck-up, snobby middle-class jerks, 
You might want to learn something here. You might want to stop making your entire life all about you. Instead, make it all about God. And I already know what some of you are going to say, "Oh, I do. Oh, I do it for Jesus." Right there, I know you're a pig and a liar. A pig and a liar. Because because you're quick to defend the very thing that is dragging you down to the pit of hell. You're too stubborn and so stupid and ignorant and foolish that you don't realize that what you're believing in is actually killing you. And it's destroying your soul. Oh, I'm humble. I'm humble. I give this much. I do this, I do that. Wow. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. You know what really bugs me about married people, especially bad ones? They have used a very beautiful covenant that God gave mankind and they pervert it. And they use it as a weapon to discriminate against single people. That disgusts me. Cuz I got news for you folks, all of us have been single. Every single one of us is born single. No one is born married. No one is born with a spouse. It just doesn't happen. So when there these people look down their stupid fat bloated noses at me I'm like wow so you were never single you never dated you were never engaged you know you never went on a date oh yeah I did I was like okay then how come you're looking down on me and others like me you think I'm impressed with that behavior do you think I think that's churchy well technically it's churchy but it's not it's not being godly see there's some people they're churchy but they're not godly that's the problem because they're not living a holy lifestyle. A holy lifestyle is not wearing a fancy bathrobe with tassels on it all the time. It's not about being a a Catholic priest. Most of them are crooks. Most of them are homosexual men. So good luck with that. That's not holy. It's very pagan. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah part 2. Good luck with that city, right? Being holy means you are who God wants you to be. And it is self-sacrificing, but it's not a form of humiliation. You see, when you have the love of Jesus Christ, you shouldn't have hate, you shouldn't have bitterness. But when you do have those things, use it as seed. You're basically taking your hurt and your pain and you're sowing it into the kingdom. You're giving it to God. You know what? If these people are so miserable in their marriage, why don't they sow their marriage into the kingdom? Why don't they sow their spouse into the kingdom? Just say, "Lord, I sow my marriage into the kingdom. Lord, I sow my spouse into the kingdom. I sow that fight we had this morning into the kingdom. I sow my obnoxious teenager into the kingdom. Help me to understand them better. Help me to love them more. Help me to be appreciative that i have a child see there's a difference between 
thinking, oh, it's all about me, to Lord, I give you me. Big difference there. Big difference. You know, our Heavenly Father, he's just that. He's our Heavenly Father. But he's not hoity-toity. God is not a snob. God is not a jerk. He's loving. He's kind. He's faithful. Those are good, wonderful things that, that basically you can't get anywhere else. You can only get those things from God. So why would you throw away blessing and favor all for the sake of your stupid, pathetic, white picket fence, scam and sham of a marriage or attitude problem? I mean, it's just like you have no clue. Like, again, what a lot of these people don't recognize is ink is actually helping them as well as actually hurting them in their marriage. And that disappoints me because I see that all the time. All they did was basically they followed the, the American checklist, the American lifestyle checklist. I got, well, if it's a woman, it's I got the ring, I got the guy, I got married, I have two, 2.5 kids, 3.5 dogs. I've got the, the job, the benefits, the 401k, the manicure, the pedicure, yoga class, Pilates. And my kids all have iPads. I mean, people that, that follow that stupid checklist are some of the most miserable people I've ever met because you're viewing what God has given you as just like, oh, you did it all. I have my checklist and I check things off. I, 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 me, me, me. Wow. How unholy of you. No wonder you don't hardly appreciate anything in your life. You think you did it all. And because you think you did it all, you think you know it all. That is a big problem with the middle class. Big problem. And middle class people are some of the laziest people I have ever met. They're also the most condescending I meet rich people all the time. I can't think of a single one that has ever looked down their nose at me, ever. Ever. Not a single one of them has ever disrespected me. And believe me, if someone had, I would totally mention it. I'd be like, oh yeah, I've got another one. No. Most of the disrespect I receive is from the middle class. Because their, their perception is, look what I have. You don't have what I have. So because you don't have what I have, you must what I want. Not all. Not all. I, I'm not interested in your pathetic, pompous lifestyle. I, I don't care for that kind of attitude. I don't care for that lifestyle. I'm better than that. I'll say it again. I'm better than that. You want to know why? Because I don't ever settle for less than God's best. So I always find it interesting whenever people that settle for less than God's best have the nerve to look down on me, treat me like a piece of trash. 
I'm like, ooh, you have no idea. You just gave me more seed to sow. Woo! My God is good to me, and he's going to show you up, you pompous little tick. God doesn't care that, that you have a French manicure and you, know, you got a boob job because your husband thinks your body sucks now. I mean, it's just... You know, let me say this in closing. Did you know that God doesn't expect you to get a mommy makeover? And you don't have to get a mommy makeover for God to love you. But what's interesting is that so many of these stupid pig men that have married women, really snobby women, they equate the mommy makeover with, I will love you if you do this for me. Oh, so if I go under the knife and risk my life, For a very serious operation, then you'll love me, then you will love me just like you did when we were in our 20s. You will love, honor, and respect me. And, oh, because you're a guy, you don't age at all. You look just like you did when you were 22 or 25. You don't sag anywhere. You don't have gray hair anywhere. You're just a perfect specimen. I got to tell you, if there's a mommy makeover, I think there should be a daddy makeover. I really do. And it may offend some people, but I don't care because I get so sick of this. There's so much pressure put on women, not only by men, but by other women. Women can be horrible to other women, and it's just so irritating. Because it reminds me of being in a sorority house. I was in a sorority for a year and a half, and that's all the hell I could take of that. I was like, this is stupid. It's it's just rampant with emotions, lies, drama, bull. I mean, it's just like I could use so many different words from just like, wow. Hardly any of them were ladylike. I was just if you think you're in a competition, you your brain and how you view things is the problem. It's not the other people that you can't stand. It's you. You have allowed yourself To just get into this hormonal state all the time where your brain is not functioning like a normal, calm person. That's your problem, not everybody else's problem. And I see this all the time. This is why I typically don't like women and this is typically why I don't like working with them. I would prefer a way nicer guy, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Women are so obsessively competitive because it's like they have nothing else to do. It's like, okay, well, if you have nothing else to do, that's not my problem. Why don't you get out there in life and do something with your life? Instead of being a witch, or another word I could use, instead of being a witch to me. I mean, are you the wicked witch of the West or the wicked witch of the East? I mean, what kind of witch are you? But whatever witch you are, I'm not impressed with it because it's not godly. It's not holy. But you'd be surprised how many mean-spirited hags, not even old hags, but mean-spirited hags go to church. And they punch their little Christian time card for the week and they think that that makes them holy, that makes them special, that makes them great. Woo, I got news for you. That doesn't make you holy at all. You want to know why? Because did you know that even the devil goes to church? Why do you think the body of Christ has so many problems? It's because we have allowed 
bad things to happen and to go on within our churches and we don't stand up for what's right. And sometimes this stems from leadership. It's like, wow, well, if your leaders don't even say or do what's right, then how can we really expect the flock to know what to do? I mean, really. Again, it's that entitlement thinking. I go to church, don't tell me what to do. I go to church. I'm actually married. Wow. Did you put that in a plaque and place it on your wall? Do you bow to it? Do you worship it? Do you lift up incense to it because it seems like that's what you worship and that's what you idol. Oh, that's right. You you worship yourself. You basically kiss your own posterior. You 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 pat yourself on the back. You kiss When you place yourself above others and you do so in a way, especially when you do so in a way where you are degrading to somebody else, you're degrading another person, you are far from being worshipped. Far from it. Oh my goodness. What are you, a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a tax collector? I mean, seriously. Wake up and smell the roses. This is the behavior that I have personally seen in some of these churches and it just gets so old and I understand why young people don't go to church hardly at all. I can understand why single people they just give up because you know what? Single people don't like being treated like crap. Excuse my language. They don't. It's like, you know what? If I want to be treated not very nicely, I could go back to high school. <laughs> I mean, I really could. Those were some hellacious years in my life and woo. I'm so glad that is not around anymore, at least for me. So, or that I'm not going through that again. So, it's it's one of those things that I pray for the middle class. Lord, I sow the middle class into the kingdom. I pray they wake up. I I pray they wake up, shut up and listen up. I pray they realize that there is equality in your kingdom and that that you are no respecter of persons and that you love everyone equally. I pray the middle class wakes up to that. But I'll go ahead and in this podcast but as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye. task 
the smallest step.